Hello, this is The Tribe Stories, the curated sermons, conversations, and collections of poetry of the Tribe Lagos. The Tribe Lagos is a gospel expression based in the city of Lagos, committed to reaching the next generation with the message of God's love and grace. May this refresh and revive you as you listen. So today we're talking about rebuilding the walls. And of course, when you talk about rebuilding the walls, the first character that comes to mind is who? Nehemiah. But the book of Ezra and Nehemiah were not necessarily separate. They were one book. Um, the separation happened further down the line, but both books were written by Ezra. So we're going to begin from there this morning. Let's just say, say a word of prayer. Father, thank you that every opportunity to gaze into the truth of your word is an opportunity to encounter the truth of who you are and is also the truth of our being. We're praying this morning that as we gaze into your word, you will unveil to us the principles of building, building in our careers, building in our marriages, building in our businesses, building in a ministry, all of it. And Father, as we study the plan of restoring the plans of a nation, that Lord, you open our eyes to understand that you have called us, commissioned us and to a mission for our time, and we will not fail you or betray you. That this mission will become the footprint of our hearts. And every moment of our waking is powered by the truth that you, God, you're bringing Africa and you're redeeming nations and teenagers and generations. And this is our desire that at the end of the race, when we run, we'll be glad that indeed we stewarded everything you placed in us to the praise and glory of your name. Amen. Um, so we're looking at the interesting story of three men, right? Three men. Here we see you. Three men. There is Zerubbabel. There is... Ezra, and then we have Nehemiah. And the interesting part is, I don't know if you guys have been tracking, but this week there were a few things that didn't leave us happy. Right? A few things that didn't leave us happy. First of all, our Olympic team ended up not participating. Because again, somebody somewhere decided that the money that will be used for tests belongs to his pocket. Right? And you know how things happen around here. We become so conditioned to everything around us that we don't understand that the impact will reach us one day. So we're not called to be passive and say, okay, I'm not in the Olympic field. Those were people's dreams. I read a lady's post. She said, I spent four years of my life practicing for this moment only to arrive here. And I'm told that I don't have what it takes by the qualification. It wasn't because she wasn't trained for it. It wasn't because she was not the star. It was because somewhere along the line, somebody failed to do what they ought to do. And those collateral damage have become a norm that have become so normalized and conditioned to everything that is a field and broken around us. Right, so this is saying that we are, we are called to participate in the restoration of a nation. So many times when we talk about nations, I explained to you guys the other day that the kingdom of God has several dimensions to it. We don't just think about the kingdom in the context of our supernatural life. So we say the kingdom is here, therefore the sick can be healed, the dead will rise, and all of those things. Everything is part of the kingdom. The supernatural manifestation of the life of God is part of the kingdom life of God, but it's not all about that. What is also important is that God's expansion of the kingdom is about nation building and nation continental reclaim. So if you think way back, God is always calling people to do things for their nation, right? Abraham, I'll bless you and make you a nation and through you the nations of the earth to be blessed. Um, Noah, I'm going to build a new nation through you. Joseph, I'm going to preserve an entire race, nation through you, right? At every point in time, you see Daniel, Daniel, the end of slavery has come. Your nation will come out of slavery. David, your nation has been oppressed. I want to send you to route the holy anger upon it and free them. So when we come into this, age, this particular age and all that we're doing is about me, myself, and I, we settle for too little the plan of God. God wants to expand your imagination, expand your dreams to see the dreams of a continent. When God stirs something in your heart, God has a nation in mind. When God gives you a son, he's raising a tribe. When God gives you a dream, he's building an enterprise. God is not just about small dreams. God is about expanding the essence of your being. 
So don't let culture let you settle for who you're not. Allow God to expand you into who you are. So as we go, gaze into this particular concept of rebuilding nations, I'm making a bold statement that Nigeria is desperate for builders. If Africa is begging for people that will stand and take a portion of the world and say, this is my plan, I'm going to mount this area, mount that area. But because we are pursuing life and living, we need to pay bills, we need to have a job, we need to do what we need to do to survive. Our game for survival has stopped us from participating in a long-term plan of redeeming the nation. God did not design us to hustle. Hustle is part of the product of the fall. God actually designed man to thrive. So if your entire work, work model, if you're working for a job because you need the money, it's too poor a goal. And I'm not saying that I don't recognize you have needs, but I'm saying that you have to be deeply fulfilled in what you're doing. And you also have to see it as part of a game plan of building something that is bigger than you. If your entire paycheck is just to enter pay bills, it's too small a goal, right? This entire design of industrial revolution has to really expand. So you and I must understand that Lagos will never give us the comfort and the convenience to participate in nation building, but we must do it in spite of the everything. You won't wait for traffic to go away so you can participate in things. You won't say, okay, well, I can't do anything else, no. And if you're in this place, you're not part of any political party, I indict you this morning. I indict you strongly because you have failed to understand the concept of dual citizenship. The understanding that God is not, particularly, is not interested in politics is actually a miseducation by the political class and the religious class who didn't understand that the word ecclesia means called at once. Ecclesia was actually a political movement. The thing was, if you go back in time, what was Jesus' grouse? He had a grouse against the, 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 the religious people, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Why? Because those guys did not allow anybody belong. They kept the word of God for themselves and everybody else had to come and listen. So they were even trading in the temple. So the temple had become commerce. They were basically packaging the entire gospel as me mechanism for money. So everybody was actually doing transaction. There was no understanding of the revelation of who God is or what they wanted. Maybe it's not so far off sometimes when you look at the things happening around us. Right? But you, under, you keep in mind, Jesus was opposed to that. The Romans were also there oppressing, and he was also opposed to the oppression of the room. His voice was actually an indictment, not just of the oppressors, but even of the oppressed. Because even the oppressed would think that, oh, all I need is an opportunity to be free from my oppression. Now, no, no, no. Go and ask those who practice communism and Karl Marx. When he was talking about the proletariats and, and the bourgeoisies, that because the bourgeoisies had the wealth, they were, they were, they were evil. And then they decided, okay, take them out and let the poor man come into power. The poor man became twice as evil. Because the poverty hid in their heart what was there. So they thought that, you know, somehow you'll be thinking that because you're poor, you're generous. No, brother. The proof of generosity comes when you have to give. And you now realize that, brother. Now we they wait for Ramon. Now it has come. So people don't do that so very quickly. So at the end of the day, when you consider all that is playing out around us, a CPO, a police commissioner, is being named in the, in the line of fraud stars, right? And that is something that you're asking yourself. You and I know, guys, I don't want to sound too political this morning. I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll just drop this and then I'll move on. But um, you and I know that it's not far from the fact sometimes that the biggest crimes are the people in top. Yes. Yeah. So the biggest criminals in this land are the friends of the police. They're not going to jail anytime soon. So we have to call it by name because truth has to confront before it can transform. You have to keep that in mind. So we, we live in a situation where the man that is stealing 4K is likely to end in jail for life. The one that stole 4 billion is not smelling at. And the gospel comes to attack injustice of any kind. 
So you also understand the third thing in this period was that this, if you are in the business of trading FX, right, where you are basically having to pay for subscription, pay for license, or you need dollar transaction, is a nightmare. To find dollar is such a nightmare. And many business are in existential threat, right? If they're not able to assess this, whether you're into export or whether you're into, you're, you're having to do a lot of international trade, right? The allocation from CBN is getting smaller and smaller and in fact, it's becoming non-existent. And it's not just becoming non-existent, the pathways to finding it is becoming thinner and thinner. So you go to bed one day, businessman, you wake up, your license is outdated, gone and canceled. So what we understand again is that this, FX is a racket in this country. It's the biggest racket. But let's not dwell there again. We're still going to Nehemiah. So I want us to extract three things in the mission to building a continent or building a nation. Nehemiah's story gave us a blueprint of how building should be done. So first of all, there were, there were three characters we meet in, let's go to Ezra, uh, Ezra chapter one. We read from there. Do I have a reader in the house? If he, the last time we borrowed your... Oh! oh. If you, I'm so sorry, you have been dethroned a while back. If you was a reader before, um, we heard the thundering voice of the trumpet. We want to get used to the voice, so in case the trumpet sounds, we'll know. It's not going to be far off. Okay, please, the mic. You want to do it without the mic. I know it's natural, but we would help. Any version, right? Um, Ezra, Ezra chapter 1. Ezra, let's read from verse 1. Okay. Ezra chapter 1, verse mm. 1. Praise God. Hallelujah. Reason I quote Now, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that is, the first year he ruled Babylon in order to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah the prophet the Lord stirred up put in motion the spirit of Cyrus the king of Persia so that he sent a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing saying thus says Cyrus king of Persia the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and he has appointed me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever, uh, can I stop? No, be going, be going. Whoever there is among you of all his people, may his God be with him. Right, let's, let's pause there so we can extract a few things. We meet this pagan king called Cyrus, who was the king of Persia. Up until that time, the world power was actually Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar and, the, and his son after him had become the world power. They had gone to Jerusalem, conquered the Israelites, took them as slaves on exile. And that was how ba Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego appeared in Babylon. If you know that story from Sunday school, you probably will be familiar with it. They ended up, they took the best of the best of the best, right? And then they had like three waves of migration or three waves of... Um, exile. There was another, after, after Babylon fell, uh, the, the, the Persian king came and took more people, right? And they were depopulating Israel at the time because they felt if they leave them together, they will build a base again and attack. 
Israel was always a threat to everybody around them. Somehow, because they had this identity, this confidence, they had an awareness of their God that was so different from everybody else. Everybody was identifying with a God of a kind, but these gods didn't seem to have the way the Israelite gods played out. So the Israelite God was in a covenant with them. He spoke about covenant. He spoke about participating in their redemption. He spoke about, and then the other guys were like, ah, this covenantal God is weird. That was what was different between the God of the Israelites and every other gods. They didn't understand that covenant side. So their God would come true for them. 400 years into slavery, it broke open in Egypt. Egypt was a world power. They, did not, they didn't just leave Egypt, they plundered Egypt without raising a sword. How do you win a war without fighting? God fought for them, right? Literally, they woke up one day, they will knock on the door. The Israelites would say, you can have my, what do you need? My car, you please, uh, you, don't take only the car, I have a piano for you. Let, 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 me put, let me put my TV in the car. They literally carried everything away as they moved. Right, but at the end of the day, this is another season where they have gone, and then Jerusalem had now been destroyed. Babylon took the 10 tribes, which we call the lost tribes, right? They took about 10 tribes. The Persian king came and took Judah and Bethlehem, took another two tribes. So the Jews were reduced to just about pockets of people here and there. But a pagan king arose, and the prophecy had been spoken about him 150 years before he ever arrived. Isaiah prophesied that a king called Cyrus would actually build the walls of Jerusalem. So this pagan king comes up one day and just realized that, come, I want to be friends with God of Israel. I don't know how it works, but I want to be friends with God of Israel. So one thing you must first of all understand in the kingdom of God, God works with everyone. God is not restricted to the tongue-speaking person alone. When it comes to the mission of God, God can recruit Buhari. But we don't know that he's on the agenda yet. But <laughs> so we can't just throw that example very quickly. But it really, God does. You know, that's why Americans actually love Trump. The Christian base could not shake. They call him the Cyrus of the hour. But I could not quote a scripture that year. But they said he's a Cyrus. Cyruses don't need to quote scriptures. They just need to have conviction. So they show up like a sword. Say, today everybody will shout the name of the Lord. Baba, you don't shout. To, no, everybody else must shout with us today. So that's the way Cyrus is. Everybody. So he had conquered. He now said, now see, I have a passion to build the temple in Jerusalem. So all of you under my province, now you have to pay taxes for this, for this project. Imagine being an enemy of Israel. You're not paying taxes, but don't try and pay now. The patients will show up in your door. World power. So everybody was contributing, sending money, saying, oh, king, we align. <laughs> oh, king, live forever. They were paying. But why did the mission to rebuild the city start with the building of the temple? Why was it important that there has to be the place of what is, what is the symbol of the temple? Mm? Because if we begin to do a lot of an attempt to rebuild the nation without starting with the place that is front and center and main, you're going to be doing a dress rehearsal. The temple is symbolic of the, today the temple is actually the human heart. Right? So the, the, the mission of societal transformation has to begin with personal transformation. That if you're not transformed by yourself, you cannot give what you don't have. And part of what we are dealing with in Nigeria today is actually endless repackaging. So the, the, no, there is no transformation, there is rearrangement. So you know, when we got in, when Buhari came now, um, what was top that year? Insecurity. No, corruption. No, what was leading? Who was leading? Corruption. No, I think insecurity was leading corruption. Well, they were both leading. Because they had taken Chibok girls, and half the government said nobody was stolen. Another group said people were lost. It just so happened that these other people said, in a year, we'll bring them back. 
and it's been a while. <laughs> so we are, when you're running for election, you better watch what you're saying because now you're like, well then they, everybody's quiet. So at the end of the day, there was insecurity, there was corruption, there was, maybe unemployment was somewhere around 29%. Very doctored to say unemployment is 29%. We just pity them and say, okay, let's keep it there. Now, unemployment is somewhere around 35%, right? And still very doctored. Because if you, if you add ungainful employment, because there's something like that. All those take home that can't take you home. You get stuck at the bus stop. So if you, if you, if you add that one, you know we're on a long thing. But at the end of the day, it's like we, we're still in circle. Why? Because somehow it appears that the people that really bring deep institutional transformation are people that have personally experienced it in, their, in themselves. Because life flows from the heart. It doesn't actually flow from the head alone. So if the head is, there's, you know, in medicine, they actually say there's 18, Dr. Wumi, correct us, but I think it's somewhere between 18 inches, right? The heart and the head is somewhere between 18 inches, right? That's the distance. But some of, when you realize that the heart is where the life is, and everyone who is not actually transformed in their hearts cannot transform a city. So the laws were given not to transform the heart of man, but to actually restrain the heartless. Because the only thing that can actually transform the heart was the washing of the blood. Right? That was what was actually required. And it wasn't so much that God was blood tested, needed blood. Man was blood tested, needed to be washed. The blood was for man. The shedding of blood, the blood was shed for the remission of. Now we get the sin now. Where the sin there now? So man needed washing. And up until that time, man actually thought God was his enemy. Only for God to wash. After the blood flowed, man just realized God is my father. Why did I think wrong? Because sin lies to you. Sin would twist your perspective and make you believe that God is your enemy when God is your friend. So nobody could call Abba Father until the blood was shed. Now this Father that we're singing, Abba Father, Father actually means source. Right? I know that we live in a world where gender is very strong. So I saw some people now, they're writing a Bible. All, all God's pronoun must be changed to female. Yes. So that because a generation of male imposed gender on God. So let's, let's, let's impose our own. So it will now be, uh, she, said, let, uh, she said, let us create, yeah. The, the point again is this, uh, no, the point again is this. The people that impose gender, that impose male gender on God, actually lost the perspective of who God is because spirit actually is not reduced to gender. So there was actually reductionism in trying to impose God on a gender frame. But their language could only make much of what they knew. Because God as a father and source, they couldn't have any other word. It was language. But you read in the Bible, God speaks of himself being a mini-breasted one. Double-breasted one. And you're like, Jesus Christ. What's going on here? You understand? So some people love that scripture. Now we must show his feminine side. The point is that God embodies both. Because when he said, let us make man in our image and likeness, he wasn't speaking of male only. Both male and female are made in his image and his likeness. So we don't correct a hole by digging another hole. We don't now say these ones have taken us to one extreme. Let's create our own. And then more pronouns and more pronouns. And now there's no more pronoun. Because the pronoun is not the answer. Like reduce it if you like. God is God. He's not, he's a spirit. So don't impose those pronouns on him. But that's an aside. Another day we'll talk about that. But today, just keep in mind that the laws was actually God's attempt to restrain the heartless. But God had an intention to reform the heart. And that's why Ezekiel kept prophesying, a new heart I give unto you. 
a new heart I give unto you. The new heart today is the celebration of the life of God we have come to receive. You and I have a new heart. God is not piecing together broken hearts. He's giving us new hearts. A broken heart can have the residue of the pain, but the new heart carries the life and life force of God. So Father, which is source, means that out of you, out of God flows your life. So everything in you is rooted in your source. So if we begin in the temple, the temple is a symbol of the heart. And the heart is actually the place of life. And I was actually talking about it that we have been taught how to do Christianity, but not from the place of the heart. Our Christianity is more from the place of the head. But the reality is that guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. It seems like the heart is deeper than we know. The heart is such a spiritual organ. The heart is actually deeper than anything else. So as you know, the Bible, someone said something, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Right? But you must understand that it's sometimes the Bible will use heart and soul and mind interchangeably. So don't get caught in that, in that confusion. But there is a deposit, there's a realm in the, of man where God dwells. So once you transform the heart, the next thing, so Zerubbabel was the person that coordinated the entire mission of rebuilding the temple. Now, if we read down, further down, he, he almost did not succeed. Cyrus died. Cyrus died. By verse 2, uh, chapter 2 or 3, Cyrus had died. And then these men had their own limitation and character flaws. Don't think they succeeded though. These three men, quite frankly, they didn't succeed. That was one that blew my mind. Because I didn't see that part. You know, we're like, like Nehemiah, we'll rebuild the walls of our city. Lord, rebuild, rebuild. Nehemiah frustrated himself. And I'll tell you how. Because when they came back, they did not understand that God's mission at any point in time was bigger than they, they allowed their preferences to affect the mission. So when Zerubbabel got to town, do you know what Zerubbabel did? Zerubbabel that was taken to Obodo Yibo, because that year now, that's what we're talking about, he was jandered. He had been in Persia. They'd been in Babylon. So those guys were more sophisticated. They were now returning to Israel, the primitive ones. The ones that were not taken. And it appears to me that if they didn't take you that year, you didn't make the court. You understand? Because they say they selected the best of the best. Mona passed. As you're passing, Ferdinand, you're taken. Uh, Mayowa, please, over there. Ugo, over there. Please, please. No, so some of us made it. Right? They just put, so they, that was how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If I went, they got there, you, they will parade you before the king. They're all tall. They say, ah, the king will say, you know, the Jews are not so bad, but they are stubborn. So take them. They now carry them into, and put into the king's palace. You were meant to be serving the king. So the, I'm very certain the ones that were left didn't look too good. Or something was not just right, Sha. I didn't go take you. But do you know the funny part? Even when it comes to Africa, it happened here. So at the end of the day, no, the people that were taken, your grandfather and grandmother that remained, I will say nothing of them. No, but, but the stronger you are, the more exportable. Yeah, the stronger you are, the more exportable. Because when they look at you like, so even all this, do you know, apparently some people located me on LinkedIn and sent me a, I should come and register a company in London. And uh, one of them, they, they, they do family and migration plan. But boy, no, but you know, the, that my LinkedIn was packaged, bro. It wasn't packaged, the substance is the real deal. But I have this friend here who just told me like, Freddie, you're not paying attention to your LinkedIn. I have not done LinkedIn in a long time. And the guy just called me and I should give him, I should give him my kinko kinko. He sat down there and started to arrange some things. And then before long, I was just like, okay, I have to take it seriously. So now I'm, I'm really serious there. And they've been following me. 
But they look at your CV. You can't say yeah, man, they bring you to Canada. Once they just look at this thing, they look at your LinkedIn profile and say, this is a candidate for export. So, no, actually, they are hunting for that. And all the exams you write, you understand, they are picking the best of the best. Your English, in fact, some people arrive there, they'll spend one year polishing the H and R so that you can be more sellable. So people have become, it's actually almost human trafficking without human trafficking. But in this one, you're a willful candidate for the traffic. I'm taking nothing away from you, but the fact that we would take pride in giving birth to our children abroad means that we have somehow bought into that idea that we here or our children born here are second-class citizens or slaves. So we're escaping to give them, to give better. It's a thinking that is feeding that. After the black man saves all the money so his daughter will be born abroad. My brother, it's not, it's not, we're paying in dollars, he's bleeding. Who sent you? <laughs> Who sent you? You understand? Well, these days you say, you know, I met somebody, the person was complaining. All the siblings were born abroad, only her. She's been terrorizing her parents. If I was loved, I would know. Babe, you just came a little too early. But, well, she probably didn't know that she came early. You understand? Because that your papa did also. The other ones came when there was a break even. The breakthrough had opened wells. So they were going on back and forth. But my point is, we need to change that. We need to build this country and this continent in such a way that it will be an attraction for people to come. Every day, you'll be so surprised how many foreigners are coming to Nigeria. From China, India, they're playing the fool. Everybody are trooping. You know, it's in Nigeria, 50%, I saw the report, 50% of Nigerians would rather leave. Mona Gona. They say, would rather. So things hold them there. That's why they're driving badly. My point, because they're not happy, please, move. Road is tensed. Because they want to leave. Yeah, so my point again is that, if you don't understand that, you fail to see a picture. There is that that is going on now, another type of human traffic. I'm not, honestly, I'm not messing up your dreams. I'm only giving you context and understanding that you must understand with clarity you're led by the spirit, you're not led by trends. Not that people are going, you go, because the wealth of this land will be unlocked by you. See, at the end of the day, it's where you are planted that you bloom. So it's not where everybody is facing. You understand? Once upon a time, Lot thought the green field of Sodom and Gomorrah was the place to be. Abraham told him, choose. Lot just said, I'll go Sodom. That was the last we heard of his in him. In fact, he didn't make it back with his wife. She was, she, was, she was Sodom. No, she couldn't leave. She was, she was saltified. Sodom chloride. I mean. No, 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 it was Sodom chloride. It was Sodom chloride. The Bible was clear about that. Right? No, but at the end of the day, every step she took away from Sodom and Gomorrah, she couldn't leave. But he saw the green fields of Sodom and Gomorrah and he thought this was where to be. We're not led by sight. We're led by faith. And it is what God is saying to you. If God is calling you to do that, you will thrive when you go there. But if you're following because your first, you know, they did a reunion in your class. 50% is there now. You're thinking, my God, I will not be caught napping. You're not napping. So once you enter this part of building the, 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 the spiritual center, you understand that many principles here is important. Building the altar of a personal life is also important in your own journey to building your life. Because everything starts from the spiritual side. So we cannot undermine prayer. And that's why we're having to retweet things. We want to bring that prayer culture. Because you can be too, you can't be too woke to, and not pray. Wokeness does not a prayer make. So at the end of the day, you understand the devil doesn't sleep. 
You understand? Because there are things that, there are forces at play. So you can't just sit down there and say, well, I'm, I'm, we're in grace. So the way it works right now is that all my sins are forgiven. And the Lord loves me so dearly. Are you enter strippers club? Then that, we've entered license. Not, that one is no longer grace at work. It's foolishness at work. Because at the end of the day, grace does not substitute for wisdom. So you don't just say, I have grace, and then you now lack wisdom. And you're making unwise choices. So we have to watch out that. Right? Because this is a generation there. Uh, the, the headquarters of end-time behavior. That end-time behavior is just on steroids. Steady. But Zerubbabel got there. The first thing he did, he told he was doing superiority complex. Those people that they didn't take, Zerubbabel refused to let them to participate. The Jews that were in, on ground, he said, no, no, nobody will come into this temple. Okay, you're bringing a part of a new move. And you can't bring healing as part of the process. You're actually, you are a mission for God, but you are having to build walls to keep people out. And we have fallen into that thing. We want to build the altar for God, but we don't want to build the altar for people the altar is for. The people that the altar is for, or the temple is for, they don't come, they don't look like you. And they smell of drugs. They have a past you can't, you can't hold a candle to. But that was exactly why God called the temple to be rebuilt, because the temple was going to be the place where life force will flow. So Zerubbabel got into tension. He was blocking people, pushing them, battle. While he was dead, he, I'm refusing other people from participating in building the temple that is already supposed to be for everyone. Cyrus died. Of course, some people went and petitioned. Let's look at that scripture. Petitioned in verse 2 and said, this man and his temple must not fly. So in verse 2, in chapter 2, sorry. In chapter 2, I think that's in three, three or four. Okay, I think it's not. Let's do four. Think it's four. Let's do four. Okay, see it. Um, if we read from chapter four, if we take it from eleven. This is a copy of the letter which they sent to King that name, Atazeses, from your servants, the men in the region west of the Euphrates River. And now, see what they say to the king. King, let it be known to the king that the Jews who came up from you have come to us at Jerusalem. They are rebuilding this rebellious and evil city. And the funny part is that some of them were actually Jews. Sorry. <laughs> they were possessing this war. They were like, you are rebuilding this rebellious and evil city and are finishing its walls. I repairing the foundation. Shouldn't that be something to be proud of? But they said, now, let it be known to the king that if that city is rebuilt and the walls are finished, then they will not pay tax. 
custom or toll, and the revenue of the kings will be diminished. Now, because we are in the service of the palace, it is not proper for us to witness this king's dishonor. For that reason, we have sent word and informed the king in order that a search may be made in the record books of your fathers. And you will discover in the record books and learn that this is a rebellious city damaging to kings and provinces and that in the past they have incited rebellion within it. That is why that city was laid waste and destroyed. We are informing the king that if that city is rebuilt and its walls finished, it will mean that you will have no possession in the province west of the Euphrates River. See the king's reply. This was a, a letter to letter. The king goes, then the king sent an answer to, the, to Rehum the Persian commander to Shimsham the scribe. So part of this team was the Samarians or the Samaritans. And they had formed a clique across the Jews that were excommunicated, the Samaritans, Samaritans were actually Jews who just, um, how did they even appear again? I think in uh, Patmos we spoke about, they were, they were mixed race, the Jews that just went and married from other tribe. Do you know, I will even tell you, when this man came, he also started his own war. But in the place of personal transformation, love has to be core. It shouldn't be about separating people, really. God was about healing a nation. And in the point of healing a nation, you understand that God's desire, if you flow in that, if you have to build allies. allies. So it's not about, oh, Cyrus was sponsoring you. Cyrus that was pagan was sponsoring you. And the Jews that were married to other people could not participate in that which is supposed to be their heritage. But we lose plots when we begin to build those walls and keep people out. See, the gospel today is more inclusive than you know. God was never a tribal God. The Jews were tribal at heart, but God wasn't. But whenever God would tell them, I am building a city, but through you the nations of the earth will be blessed. Once the blessing comes, they block the door. They didn't want it to go around. And then when, when Paul came and kept talking about the Gentiles will participate in this, they refused. They first, Peter could not handle the fact that Gentiles were coming into the movement. The gospel was saying, go to Samaria, go to Judea, go to the uttermost part of the earth. Declare it that the gospel is for everyone. There is now no condemnation. There is no sin anymore. God has dealt with it. You belong. And then the, Samaria, the Gentiles were coming in and they said, no, you must circumcise. Circumcision was the way you validate your Jewishship. It wasn't the way you validated your sonship in God. But they made their tradition the gospel and made their dogma the, gospel, the truth. And when your dogma becomes the truth, you will never love well. You will constantly x-ray people through the prism of your dogma. You'll be pulling trigger at everybody because they don't believe like you do, right? And we live in a more complex world. Let love define you first. You will have friends who don't believe like you do. Your first is not just to judge them. Your first is to extend the love of God to them. If we love well, right, the world will be a better place. No, if we love well. We just don't know how to love well. No, clap to that, clap to that. No. No, say this child, sweet gems. No, say that I, when you go another church, before you go drop two like this, they know they burn. You go to the fire. Travel girls, they drink tea. I'm time. No, no, say that. Today, would they look time at all? Is that the time? Flesh and blood just revealed this one to me. <laughs> all right, but let's be quick about where we're going. Now, you and I must first of all understand we are agents of transformation and our heart has to be right. The life and the reformation has to flow from us into the work we do. So if you want to reform anything, you must first of all become a beneficiary in that which you want to bring. 
right? The second thing is cultural renewal. Now, when Ezra came to town, Ezra was another guy that showed up. They signed up for the restoration of the city. But Ezra was actually of the priest tribe. He was a Levite, so he was from the priest tribe. And Ezra came with the laws. He came to teach people now the culture. And he came to teach culture. He came to restore. Because up until this time, they had lost their language. They had lost their identity. So people like Ezra, they were custodians of truth. They embodied it, embodied it in storytelling. So whether you're a writer, you were supposed to be, you are part of the custodian of the cultural renewal. So there are people who are actually wired for cultural renewal, and we know that here. So God has called you with insight for fashion. Guess what? Part of what you experience will flow into that which you create. So once you have experienced your personal transformation, cultural renewal becomes consistent with that which you produce. Because the cultural product is, a, is an expression of the truth of the man. So if your culture is not reformed, your package will not be reformed. Your package can be good, but your content will not. Every content is a symbol of a man's heart. It's a piece of a man's heart. The way you write your stories, the worldview. But you and I must understand we are prophets first before we are anything else. We must embody that prophetic urge and urgency and tension when we write things we write. The prophetic confronts yet conquers. It's confronting people, calling them to who God has called them to be, but it's deeply rooted in love. So all those prophets that are calling people, death is around you. Only your own prophecy is seeing death all the time. See life. Because the spirit of, the pro of prophecy is actually the testimony of Christ. And the testimony is saying that there is now for now no condemnation. Even if God has seen, if there is a death around you, the way he will show you is not to breed fear. So he doesn't come to stimulate fear. He comes to give you, to remind you of your identity so you can speak it and free it. So today we are missing in transformation because we have taken, religion somehow came close to a substitute for personal transformation. So our spirituality is not deep. It's actually more rules and rituals. So that's why we can do church for 40 years, yet your nanny, they cry every day. Steady, you're flogging her, breaking her, starving her. You are doing church for 30 years. Everybody around your office, you've terrorized. You have terrorized. You have plotted politics every day. I said, I saw the thing, be eat or be eating. My point is that that law of eat or be eating it has nothing to do with the gospel. The 48 laws of power is not the gospel. And you must understand that, guess what? There is a higher law. You can do 48 laws of power and you die by it. Then you know that thing? See what it says? The third law, avoid the unhappy and un the unlucky and unhappy. So your, your friend is going through a hard time. Boycott. That's what 48 laws of power said. But what's the gospel? If you see that man by the well, he's your neighbor. He didn't say the man that lives close to your house. He said the Samaritan stopped. The, he indicted culture. If you look at that story, the, the level, the, was it the priest? The priest. That was like, I have a program to catch up because I can't be spoiled. He passed, saw the man by this. You know what the religious man said? Oh, this man must have stolen. You know, all these thieves. I'm very certain something has caught up with him. Certain he's caused a tribe of riffraffs breaking into the, stealing all over the place, befitting for you and your kind. But the second one came around. That was like, oh, this man. Well, I, I can't say he's, um, I don't know him. But I'm wearing my white suit today. I, I don't want to touch things that could stain me. Besides, I have a program to catch. I'm speaking at this big conference. They're all waiting. I'll give a word in season so that there won't be more dead bodies lying on the streets. I'm sorry, guys. I hope you make it in the day. But if your soul, may the Lord bless the soul of the departed. That one don't go. Then the third man is Samaritan. 
And Jesus gave us this picture because the Samaritans were hated by the Jews. Yeah. The Samaritans were people that the Jews could not do life with. You remember there was one weird part of the Bible where Jesus said, why would I give the food of children to dogs? And some people don't carry that thing. They vex. So he called the woman dog. But it was a teachable moment. He was actually telling, because at that point in time, he was helping them understand something. That's what the Jews thought of them. But the woman said, even the dogs are worthy of the crumbs. And Jesus said, ah, this woman, you don't enter. Blessed are you. Because you have seen it now. She, she saw something. Because the Jews thought they qualified because they keep the law. Yeah, they couldn't qualify by, by how they keep it. The law was never meant to qualify you. Grace has qualified us. So it wasn't what you do that made you qualify. It was what Christ has done. Now, how come Zerubbabel caused trouble, refused um, the, the Samaritans and everybody else to participate in the temple? Ezra came. Man that God wired to come and teach people. You know what his first policy Nationalized divorce. Yes. Ezra passed the policy, nationalized divorce. He would come to you and say, you're a, you're a Jew, marry Samaritan, separate now. The guy left the mission of changing hearts and started to program divorce. Do you know the thing? And the Bible said, one prophet, what Ezekiel had said, God hates divorce. So how, is, how do you, under, although some of them are like, yes, they are marrying each other. You're not pure anymore. Separate now. So he lost his plot. What was meant to bring healing suddenly became truncated. And Jesus came and told them as a Samaritan stopped to help somebody. And he said, that man is it. Because the Samaritan, two things, saw that the man was half alive, not half dead. And it's important in this work of restoration, our interaction with people is first part of the plan. Rebuilding the city is not about rebuilding walls. It's about rebuilding relationships. The first relationship we must embrace, at the relationship, we have to embrace it, right? And it's interesting because the Samaritans that are unlovable became the ones that was needed, that, that obeyed. Just was the constructing partisan politics, partisan religion, me versus them. If you see people, don't look at for what is dead in them, see the life that is in it. Only then can you respond in love. If you don't pause to say, okay, yes, this one is like this, to have abortion, see the life in her. A daughter crying for affection. Sometimes we judge people harshly, but you don't understand that most of them are a product of their experiences. They just were not loved right. Most of them were looking for love just in the wrong places. And they found people who were willing to exploit it. So you're not, God understands the backstory. He understands the backstory. You might be judging Judas, that this Judas goes selling boss. You understand? Selling boss, collect money. But you know, let's even program Judas. What could it possibly be that this Judas come from a very poor home that he couldn't allow himself to be generous? He became so broken that money became his God. There's a way poverty can pay, break your imagination. Money become your idol. So many people today who grew up in extreme poverty, they don't know how to give. Most of them don't even know when to say no. The man has 10 billion, he stole 100K. Yeah, 10 billion, he still stole 100K. They call it the scarcity economy. Because the poverty diluted something in them, they are not healed. So you're doing business with them, but you have to sign everything, cause even the 50K extra, he's not accounting for it. And you're wondering, what is it? So God doesn't just look at Judas and say, oh, this man is dead on arrival. He sees that this person here, there's something worth redeeming. 
What was it, Peter? Peter that showed up in front of a nanny, couldn't own up his own part of the deal. You are one of them. No, I'm not. You're one of them. No, I'm not. Three times he denied Jesus. At the end of the day, you would think that this Peter man, shame on you. Imagine Nigerian pastors. Peter, you would deny me three times. I'm on a lockdown. <laughs> Brothers, please. Protocols, do what you need to do, please. Peter, I, see, I saw the eyes of the spirit what you're going to do. But today I want to teach you a lesson or two so that you won't do that. That was what it is. In the, that day they were eating, Judas was there. Open a, a, an African pastor's eye to see that Judas was in his team. Judas will not make it to the night. <laughs> no, they, yeah. They would have arranged the guy. But at the end of the day, Judas was part of the plan. But would have taken him out because sometimes things we call bad has a way of bringing good out of them. So you are seeing them as bad, but trust me, Judas is part of the plan. Somebody has to go and show them where he is. Because Jesus didn't dress very packaged. So you, you just enter, you just be looking, who is Jesus? Everybody wear the same fisherman stuff. They need the keys to differentiate him. And the kisser has to be sell the, has to be paid. Now, we can justify that these guys don't belong, but God kept them in his team. How come God knew them the most, yet tolerated them most? And how is your tolerance level? You want to rebuild Nigeria, yet your relationships are all broken apart. The last person you quarreled with, you blocked. <laughs> Only you, you've blocked and blocked and blocked. And now, you know, there's a justifiable reason, my mental health. Because <laughs> you can't be just following toxic people all over the place. Toxic, toxic, yes. <laughs> so, why your mental health is helping you build, you're building your own walls. Only you, caging yourself. Any small thing, that person, secondary school commented something, you don't follow from the comments, say, explain this comment, please. I don't understand where this is going. The person asked, joke with you, out of joke, abundance, you know, you quote scripture, out of the abundance of the mouth, the mouth speak it. Trouble all over the place. Let love be defi define you. So we have to understand the third part was actually Nehemiah. He also now struggled. Ezra couldn't complete it. So go and read Ezra and Nehemiah. There's so much there. Ezra entered into division. National arresting people. Nehemiah arrived. <laughs> this was to start his own trouble. They had the mission, but why did the mission fail? In our journey for mission possible, we must heal before we bring healing. We must be fully reconciled before we reconcile others. And we cannot carry the traditions and the patterns and the preferences. So me, by the time you get into division, you can't see it. So Nehemiah got there, the walls, war. Now because the war is there, but we, become, we, we give legitimacy to, for the war to undermine us when we inhabit our own walls. Let me explain what I mean. If, for instance, the... The greatest challenge we have around us today are the wrong things we believe about ourselves. Is the devil a thing? Yes, the devil is a thing. But do you know the devil is as powerless as he possibly can be? Yes, sir. The only power the devil has over you is the belief that he has power over you. So we give the devil room when we refuse to forgive. So you're meant to walk in forgiveness, but that unforgiveness is, is the diablo. It will start to truncate things in your life because you're, you're, you're already twisted. Rather than forgive and walk in love, only you'll be plotting things. Plotting things. Flying to Abuja when you don't have any reason to. Enter Lagos when you don't have any reason to. And you want to go for a party, you're walked up because the person has to be seated when you pass. And you say, you say it's my ex around. Is he on the left side? So you have to pass. And go help the guy, your head, just say, sorry. And then the perfume would now say, so what is that? He said, ah, but you know what you did. 
you can't live your life in revenge or vengeance. So these men, Nehemiah, Ezra, Zerah, nobody, they started a mission, they didn't complete it. The heart has to be right for the culture to reflect that and for the walls to reflect that. And guess what? Nehemiah actually even did not understand. There was a prophecy that had said God was promising them a city without walls. Yes. Yes. God, so the, the idea, the tension here is they wanted to build walls to keep themselves in. But the mission of the gospel was a city without walls. So sometimes we are following tradition rather than following the voice. And then we are not caught up in projects we can't complete. Because the project wasn't actually spirit-led. It was actually culture-defined. You were following the trends and following the pattern. That business you're doing or you're struggling, was it actually what you were meant to do? Or you just said it was what was selling? So everybody, they make prayer water now. Boja, don't, don't cast because you enter. Because at the end of the day, you followed program. Do you know the funny part? 95% of the thoughts you have daily are from memory. Yeah. And guess how many thoughts you have daily? 70,000 thoughts. At most, or at least 70,000 thoughts. So by 70,000 thoughts, 95% are memory. So if you're not careful, you'll be caught up in a space, recycling yourself. Your feeling, so you have to understand that you're likely to break free from imagination and memory. So you have to learn to trap your thoughts before they become your reality. The thoughts that are calling you to your addiction, calling you to your past, calling you to places of pain. You can't see your life through your past now. We can't continue to see it through our past. Can you cut your mom some slack? Or cut your sister some slack? Your uncle brought you to Lagos, but it wasn't meant to always be your lifeline. So he kept you for a while. Just allow him so you can move on. But once we hold people as our source, they will hurt us. The arm of flesh will fail. Yeah. And don't put the arm of flesh where God is. Trust me. Even if, you, even if they said kick you out, just trust God. Go where he leads. You understand? But please, don't live a bitter life. Don't live an angry life. Because you see what that scripture says, to the pure, all things are what? Yes, the moment you believe in goodness, all things will become good. The moment you believe and conscious, that scripture was teaching consciousness. Though. It was saying once you believe it, it has become. So if you believe healing, you experience healing. If you believe that the world is good to you, the world will bring good to you. You also have to believe what Christ believes about you. You have to believe it, believe you're loved, and lovers will find you. No one is doing you a favor by falling in love with you, though. Yeah. If they can't see it, don't waste your time. Right. And guys, you have to ensure that you don't buy love, but you have to be generous. That's the tension. So don't overdo it, but do it. So if you're doing it, it's so that she will love you more. You're just trying to buy love. Your insecurities are showing. Because you're trying to use money to hide the things you should deal with. And you're buying love. The day she's talking to another person on the phone, you're falling apart. She has to explain everybody in, your, in her life. You're not whole. You need to transform before you can do life. Our relationships are polluted because our hearts are. Our families are falling apart because our hearts are falling apart. Cities are not first built. The families first. The communities next. And then cities follow. And the families are you and I. The way we do life. Right? I'll take two questions. Then we'll pray. Two questions. So again, let me just do a quick recap. In the mission of restoration, there are three things we, and this is the journey of the tribe. We embody three missions. The mission of personal transformation, the mission of cultural renewal, 
and the mission of societal reformation, right? And personal transformation is that whether it's tribe academy or tribe institute or all of those courses or foundation that we create is to give an opportunity to deepen in God. Um, so those courses, we are doing some this August, so please, you have to drop your name with my things, right? So that we can do, we can do that um, and, and then consistently um, pray for you guys. Then cultural renewal is what Urban does for us, Tribe Urban and, and Friends. It's really creating spaces for us to connect better. So this month, we want to bring back community activities. We used to do a lot of picnics. We used to hang around and eat of other rice. We want to bring back those things, right? There's a person I visit often when he comes back from Abuja, because he doesn't come back empty-handed, right? Um, and that's a good time to visit, when they just arrived. Then there's societal reformation which is actually about Sozo, what Tommy is trying to do. And Tommy has been doing a damn good job trying to prime us, but we just don't exist in a society that is broken. We become part of the society to heal the society. So Sozo is actually begging for sons. I don't know how many people Tommy has recruited now, but we used to do a lot. Our mission to drug addicts is not that we should wait for them to say, now wow, these children 14, 15, doing drugs. No, that drug that they are doing is an emptiness they are trying to feel. And they're waiting for the voice of sons to tell them that there is hope and there is love. So we can't see them as half dead. We have to see half them as half alive, waiting to be discovered. Let them know that the life is within them. So let's give Johnson the mic. Johnson has a question or comment. OK, we'll get to you. Because it's, I think it's being recorded. It might be a blessing to those out there. Just to clear the you have to, uh, you made a comment, you have to first uh, renew before you can um, like renew or lend a hand to someone else. Um, what about someone who is still in the process? Does it mean he or she cannot, um, in the little he or she has received, um, lend out the hand and help to restore other people? Like, do you have to completely you know, quite frankly, I think wholeness is always a journey. Yes, sir. But we don't wait to arrive to begin. We take the step as we journey. But there are some people that are not on any journey. So that's the people we're addressing. You know. Any more questions? Okay, let's pray. Um, Father, our hearts are open this morning that we will be reminded that you've called us in this city to build, to restore. And we're praying that for every one of us here who hasn't found a space in our heart for renewal, that today they will find a space in their heart for renewal. And if you're here and you really just want to make, it that, make that connection where you really want to say, Father, I, I, I want to really, really identify with my union with you. I want to fully recognize myself again as a son. Let's pray with you. Just put your hand on your chest. To recognize and accept yourself the way God has accepted you. To understand that you are loved, you belong. And to recognize that you have received this life. And that this morning to publicly admit that, Father, I have received your life. I have received your life. With my hands, so put my, I receive your life. That's all. So if you want to make that prayer, that Lord, I receive your life. The life you have given to us, I receive your life. I receive your life. Just stand up to your feet. Let's pray with you. Open wide.
category of people I want to pray for are people who on a level you just feel broken and fractured at the core of your being you've tried all you could to just live a life that is decent but it's like decency is not something that you associate with yourself so this morning we want to speak the truth into your consciousness into your heart that you will never have a day in your life where you feel the wrath and feel broken and decay that today the wholeness that has been given to you will become fully yours so just put your own hand on your chest and let's pray with you. We're praying for restoration this morning. We're praying for healing and wholeness. That every trauma, God restores our soul. And today that the love of God will invade you. And even when you feel frozen and you can't feel, you can't trust, you can't love, we declare healing this morning. We declare healing and we declare that your heart will bloom and flourish. Your life will flourish. tribelagos.com or email us at hello at thetribelagos.com Follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter on The Tribe Lagos. God bless.